Welcome to Traveling Culturati, where we explore cultures and share travel news, travel tips, destinations, and travel chats. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Well, hey there, fellow Culturati. Javon Harley here, your host and travel pro for Traveling Culturati. As always, I want to thank you for coming back for another week of travel news, tips, and chats. I just love chatting with you, even if it's from afar. Well, so much has happened this year in the travel industry and around the world in such a short period of time. It's like we hit the ground running. But one thing I'm excited about is Fiji. Fiji reopened its borders at the end of 2021, and we're gearing up to resume the WHUR World Tour from 2020. Of course, that'll be in April of this year. And oh boy, are we counting down fast to April. Today, Fiji Tourism will join me to give us the 411 on the reopening and of course, the wonderful things about the island nation of Fiji. <sighs> Wish I was there now, <laughs> especially as it's so cold here in Chicago. Well, we'll also have Javon's Travel Minute and the Culture Report. And boy, do we have some exciting news for you in the travel front. Airlines are extending waivers, vouchers, and expanding services. 5G is causing some delays and interruptions, and the changes continue with COVID. Let's dive into some travel news. Delta Airlines extends all passenger tickets and vouchers through 2023. The airlines have been very instrumental in easing the changes and all of the things that we have to deal with with COVID, with people making changes, needing to change and cancel with so many things that we're dealing with. So the flexibility of the airlines is greatly appreciated. This past week, the airline extended its e-credits, allowing passengers to rebook a flight through December 31, 2023, and fly through 2024. The carrier will also allow anyone who purchases a new ticket in 2022 to rebook that ticket through the end of 2023 and travel in 2024. What did I tell you? Some really big news here. The Delta's chief customer experience officer said that we want to ensure our customers enjoy peace of mind when booking or rebooking their Delta trips this year. This leading extension provides more time for customers to use their travel credits so they can book with complete confidence that Delta has their back even when moments arise out of control. So when rebooking tickets, travelers may have to pay a difference in fare if a new flight costs more than their original flight. The new flexibility is in addition to Delta's decision last summer to eliminate fees on same-day flight changes and to stop charging for standby. This is, of course, in line with the larger trend among airlines in the United States of dropping those change fees. The extension also follows the airline's decision to no longer allow passengers to earn sky miles or elite status on basic economy tickets. So, yeah, maybe hold your applause for that. But I think the former is very much needed in what we are calling this pandemic era. We need flexibility. Other airlines who have extended expiration on electronic ticket certifications through December of 2022 are 
JetBlue United Airlines, and they're waiving all change fees and cancellation fees on its basic tickets as well, or blue basic tickets until January 31. And Southwest Airlines, they're not charging change fees, and they will allow passengers or travelers to cancel a non-refundable ticket. The airlines want to get away fare and to turn it into travel funds that can be used for a future trip. So kudos to that. And more on that same front, Southwest Airlines is doing a master class in market expansion. Southwest Airlines in their expansion means that they are expanding into smaller markets. These will be more vacation-friendly destinations like Telluride, Palm Springs, and Southern Maine. But it's not just heading off to the slopes or to relax on warm beach that's attracting the Southwest passengers. They're really aiming more for businesses because so many people are now working remotely. They're trying to adjust to the new business traveler because the business travel sector has been the last and slowest to really return to the travel industry. And Southwest, because it doesn't have a business class, hasn't always attracted all of the business travelers or as many as other airlines because of the perks and so forth. But they do have other perks that they have to offer. And so they're looking more at this domestic market and looking at air areas where people are working remotely, people are looking at booming real estate prices and the like. So this means for the airline industry that people are becoming more dispersed and business travelers are no longer considered to be in those major cities like New York, Chicago, or San Francisco. Instead, they're looking to the business traveler who are in smaller markets. Southwest Airlines certainly has a history of doing things that are very much out of the box and it's been extremely successful for them. The airline industry is so competitive and it's very different. It's very difficult. So Southwest Airlines, remember one of their biggest differences from other airlines is that it does not work from a hub and or hub and spoke type of route map. It really is based on point to point, which also means that they can offer more direct flights. Even if the flights connect in another destination, they can offer more direct flights without having to come back to a home base. And that has really worked for Southwest Airlines. They're one of the few, if not the only airline that is really doing this. And on to American Airlines. They have also upgraded an extension. And so as you can see, it's been a very busy week for the airlines. The American Advantage Loyalty Program. So on Tuesday, the airline announced new loyalty points that'll determine where you land on the revamped elite status qualification table. American is giving a six-month extension to all system-wide upgrade certificates that were slated to expire January 31st, 2022. And remember, they were first extended from 2019 to 2020, and then 2020 to 2021, and then 2021 to 2022. So these extensions are continuing to happen. They have not said what the actual expiration date will appear on your account because there's so many people that aren't able to keep their account active because of the pandemic era that we're in. So if you are a frequent flyer, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. If your account has inactivity, you start to lose your miles that you've earned 
and it varies by airline, but the standard is anywhere from a year to 18 months. And so especially for long hauls and you know, you've worked hard up until 2019 to accumulate and earn miles, and then it may have stopped your progress as far as upgrading that system. So the Platinum Pro and Executive Platinum Elites system-wide upgrades are certainly the best perks. You're talking about lounge access, upgrades, baggage fee waivers, all of these. So now all elites will have some more time to use them and you will not lose your status within this expansion or extension period. You can apply system-wide upgrades beyond the expiration date as long as you have confirmed the upgrade before it expires. And of course, that's subject to finding confirmed upgraded space, but you could theoretically use these certificates for 2023 travel. Hopefully the pandemic will have subsided by then. So the best thing to do is to check in with your frequent flyer program with American Airlines or any of the carriers, log in, see what their updates and or policies are and take action. You don't want things to just go by the wayside. Let's talk about 5G. AT&T and Verizon will delay their 5G rollout that are near certain airports. This was announced last week or earlier in the week. And the move follows this pressure and comes amid warnings from the U.S. airlines that the new 5G wireless service that was set to start last Wednesday could ground flights and leave potentially thousands of Americans stranded while also delaying goods. So remember, you know, airlines don't just transport people, they transport goods as well. An AT&T spokesperson said, at our sole discretion, we have voluntarily agreed to temporarily defer turning on a limited number of towers around certain airport runways as we continue to work with the aviation industry and the FAA to provide further information about our 5G deployment since they have not utilized the two years they've had to responsibly plan for this deployment. And again, this is a statement by an AT&T spokesperson. Verizon in their own statement said it voluntarily decided to limit their 5G network around airports ports. The Trade Association Airlines for America, which represents passenger and cargo airlines, previously singled out the use of the service near airports like John F. Kennedy in New York and George Bush Airport in Houston in an emergency request with the Federal Communications Commission last year to delay the 5G rollout. Following the Trade Association's emergency request, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg and FAA Administrator Steve Dixon asked for a delay in both cell phone carriers' 5G rollout. The AT&T spokesperson also said that we're frustrated by the FAA's inability to do what nearly 40 countries have done, which is to safely deploy 5G technology without disrupting aviation services. And we urge it to do so in a timely manner. President Biden commended both companies for agreeing to place limits around their 5G service rollout. And France, they are clamping down on the COVID vaccine pass and they have made it law. This means that there will be some changes for travel plans. The French government has now made it legally necessary to be vaccinated to access cultural events like theme parks, ski lifts, eateries, bars, and most forms of long distance transport. The bill was passed on Sunday, January 16th. 
and will likely be in place by January 21st. So what do you need to know for travel into and across the country? France's health pass is now a vaccine pass and legally binding. European countries have been using the EU digital COVID certificate since summer of last year to allow EU citizens to travel freely within EU countries. That means that anyone who is fully vaccinated, who has had COVID-19 or who can show proof of a negative COVID test result is allowed to pass across borders freely as EU citizens. Each country runs its own system and in France, this is called a health pass and it's operated through the application to anti-COVID. In France, this also allows access to restaurants, bars, cafes, malls, cinemas, and long-distance buses and trains. The French government has now gone one step further and turned this health pass into a vaccine pass. And under these new steps, people have to be vaccinated to access these events, as well as transport networks and places. A negative COVID test result will no longer suffice. The French Senate, the final hurdle for the government bringing this into law, voted in favor of the pass, meaning that it would likely become law on January 21st. That's before the airing of this show, but let's see if it will stick. So what will change for 90% of French people over 12 who are vaccinated? Nothing will change. However, anyone who is not vaccinated will be prevented from eating out, attending cultural events, or traveling long distance. The new pass is also required in theme parks like Disneyland Paris and also at ski resorts. In the Culture Report, you want to stay tuned because we're going to have Gene Harley, our executive producer, on with us, who is currently in Ghana. He's just arrived ahead of our group. And so we're going to talk to him about some of these new processes and procedures for entering Ghana. So make sure you stay tuned for the Culture Report. And when I come back, we'll have Javon's Travel Minute. And we'll have Fiji Tourism on to tell us all about Fiji. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley. Make sure you stay up to date with our travel schedule and our travel lineup at TravelingCulturati.com. One thing I am excited about is Fiji. I am excited about the reopening of Fiji. Yes, they reopened their borders at the end of 2021, and we are gearing up to resume the WHUR World Tour from 2020. Yes, here we are two years later, and we're still so excited. So I have on the phone with me to tell us about this wonderful, wonderful destination, Ruth Daly, who is the regional director for North America of Fiji Tourism. Hello, Ruth, and welcome to Traveling Culturati. Nisam Bula, Javon. Bula, of course, is our traditional greeting in Fiji, and it's one of the things that you'll hear throughout the islands when you come visit us. So Bula, and thank you for having me with you today. Bula, and I believe thank you. Is is it Vinaka Levu? Is that to sure. everyone or just Vinaka? It's Vinaka is the sort of more casual version. And then Vinaka Vaka Levu would be thank you very much. 
Okay, well, Vanaka Vakalevu. Vakalevu. Okay, well, again, thank you. And I'm really envious because you just returned from Fiji. <laughs> yeah, I, I was so honored. I went down on the very first flight from Los Angeles on Fiji Airways. We left on November 30th and crossed the dateline, arrived into Fiji on December the 2nd. So the first flight from North America in 22 months. And the welcome that we got was just unbelievable from the plane being doused by the fire trucks on the runway as we landed at Nandi Airport. And then in the arrivals hall at the airport, they had the Sambeto village dancers, the entire village there in traditional costume, singing and dancing for us and with us. And then what really touched my heart the most was as we left the airport, there's a roundabout on the highway there. And there were probably 200 locals in the roundabout just singing and waving and yelling, Bula and welcome home, we've missed you. I can't tell you how much the Fijians how happy they are to have visitors back in the country and how welcoming they were to me. I got to spend 27 days in December. I visited five islands and 10 resorts, and I'm happy to report that Fiji is better than ever. Again, so envious, but really gives me excitement. And as we count down to April, I'm really excited about that. So Fiji is an island nation. How many islands are there? Yes, yeah, so we've got 333 islands. That's at low tide, of course, because once high tide comes in, a few of those islands do disappear and go away. But 333 islands spread out across the geographic area of about the state of Washington. So once you get to Fiji, it's actually not too far to get around and see some of the more remote islands. We went before. Actually, Fiji was our very last trip of 2020. We had others planned, but we had a group, remember, at the end of February. So we went mm -hmm. to Fiji, we did our island cruise, and two weeks after we returned, the entire world shut mm -hmm. down. So I got a taste of visiting the islands, and that's certainly one of the things to do is to visit the various islands and to really get a feel for an island nation. When you talk about the state of Washington, Washington being the size of the state of Washington, but also some of the islands just disappearing. So obviously some of the islands are not inhabited. Correct. There are only about 100, 110 are actually inhabited with either resorts or villages and local people living on them. So lots and lots of deserted islands. And I know you guys would have seen on the cruise up through the Asawas when you get up there, all these just dotted little islands that, you know, remind you of, well, the movie Castaway, which, of course, with Tom Hanks was filmed in Fiji out in the Mamanutha and Yasawa Islands. As you're talking about different islands, are they clusters when you say, for example, the Yasawa Islands or the Manukas? Are we talking yeah. about clusters? When you travel to Fiji, everybody lands on our big island, which is called Viti Levu, or literally Big Fiji. And you land in, in Nandi, in the West Coast. And just off the West Coast, so Viti Levu is just about the size of the big island of Hawaii. And anyway, so just off the west coast of VT Levu, you find two of our most popular island groups. So one is called the Mamanuthas, and that sits really just sort of just off the west coast of VT Levu. And then to the north of that are the more remote islands called the Yasawas. And those are the land of long white sand beaches and very, very little development. And it's just really almost 
going back 100 years. So those are two of our island groups. And I know that on your trip, you're going to be visiting both those groups as part of the cruise. And it is just an amazing way to see all sorts of Fiji. As an island nation, are there particular islands that are best for tourism? Those, of course, that are inhabited. And if so, how do they differ? Yeah, sure. The big island of VT Levu that I was talking about before, that's really our most developed island. And along the southern coast of VT Levu, you'll find a lot of our big international brand hotels like Intercontinental, Marriott, Shangri-La, Outrigger. So that area was popularized over the last 50 years, mainly by Australians and Kiwis, which are our largest visitor nations. So VT Levu most developed. Out to the Mamanuthas, those also developed a little bit earlier because of their geographic proximity to the airport. And those are great little mostly private island resorts where you find a small island and on it is only the resort or the resort and a local village. Just as a little note, when you open a resort in Fiji, you have to employ the villagers from the local village as part of your resort staff. And that's one of the best things about visiting Fiji is that you do interact with locals from the local area and they love sharing all about their home and their culture. But anyway, that's the Mamanuthas. And then as you travel further north, you have the Yasawa Islands, which again, they are less developed, but the land of long white sand beaches. And one of the things that I really loved is that some of our stops really kind of gave you this feel that you had everything to yourself. Just in all transparency, I did this cruise with my mother for her 90th birthday. Small group of us, uh, about 15 of us from my family did it. But I remember one of the things that delighted her the most was the day that the cruise, they sort of back onto this private beach on Nanuye Ra Island, and they actually tie up the ship to a coconut tree on shore. But what really tickled my cousins was they came running up to me and they said, oh my God, Ruth, they're moving the bar ashore. And we had the whole day on this beach all to ourselves. And the crew from the ship actually was taking the bar on a small boat and taking it ashore so that we could have drinks on shore all afternoon. But yeah, I mean, it's just one of those places where you can have an entire beach, an entire island all to yourself. It really does give you that feel. And the one where it was so shallow and we had to pretty much walk kind of like knee high in the water to get to the island itself from the boat. The boat couldn't come all the way ashore. But again, you could either take the small boat or you can just kind of walk. And even from the small boat, you had to kind of still walk maybe about ankle Hmm. deep or so. And so you just get this pristine, this very personal kind of experience visiting the islands. So Tell us about the top things to do in Fiji. I would say you have to get wet and get in the water. One of the things that just amazed people is that the water is so warm. The water temperature is usually 75, sometimes 80 degrees. I've been to Fiji where the water actually isn't quite refreshing enough because it's so warm. It's also so clear and pristine. And so even if you couldn't swim, you could walk up waist high off of some of these beaches and just look down and see amazing fish. And there's all sorts of opportunities to see our marine life if you snorkel snorkel. If you scuba dive, we are the soft coral capital of the world and you've got to do that. So number one would be to get in the water. 
Number two would be to relax and to just take it easy Fijian style. One of the most charming things about Fiji is just that the people, well, there's a saying, senga nalenga, like just no worries. The sense of hurry just doesn't exist for Fijians. And sometimes for we busy Americans, that can be a little bit hard to get used to. But once you grasp it, it is life changing for as long as you can hold on to it. And then just kind of carrying on in the same mode, I would say get to know as many Fijians as you can. And the people are truly, truly what makes Fiji a very special destination. Like there's a lot of beautiful beaches in the world, but there are vacations for your eyes. Fiji's a vacation for your heart. And talk to these people who are so happy to have you in their islands. They have seemingly very, very little based on our definition of wealth, but they get up every morning happy and with a purpose of being kind and generous to other people. And every time I come away from Fiji, I carry that in my heart. I actually feel that a trip to Fiji is a little bit like yoga for your soul because it reminds you how the world is supposed to be and how we're supposed to treat each other. And so getting involved with the people and just talking to Fijians is the best way to sort of understand that. I think you can visit any destination anywhere, but it really is about the people. They are the ones who really change the destination for you and leave that lasting impression, I think. Mm, And there are a lot of cultural things that you can do as well. But certainly, it is an island nation, so expect to get in the water. There are a lot of water activities that you can do, certainly for those who are into scuba diving or even just snorkeling. Mm. We did swimming with the reef sharks, which was very safe um, and guided. The crew because on board the Blue Lagoon, as you said, there's a 100% Fijian crew. Yes. Um, and the activities director, the one that really knows about the water, very good swimmer, diver, can really help and guide you through these things. One experience that I love was going into the cave. We went into a cave mm-hmm. and we did some exploration there with swimming and you had to go underneath from one part to the other. And that water is much colder than ocean water. But what a nice experience. And we all had such a great time doing that. And one of the best experiences were really just sitting with some of the folks having church with them. And Mm. uh, yeah, it it was such a wonderful experience. I can't say enough about that. No, no, that's it. And certainly as part of the cruise, you'll do a village visit up to one of the villages up there and just going and speaking of going to church and hearing them sing in the church. I mean, music and dance is so much part of the Fijian culture. There is song and dance constantly throughout the day. There's always a guitar within hand's reach. And that's part of what I love too. Honestly, I love to sing and I love to dance and I'm not the only one doing it when I'm in Fiji. So there are so many different types of accommodations. You mentioned the big hotels. We're talking about the small cruise and we're chartering the cruise folks. So this is not one of these mega cruise ships. This is a small cruiser with only 34 cabins. So it's privately chartered. So it will only be us on board. But that's one way to not only get around, but it's also an accommodation in Fiji. What are some of the other different types of accommodations and places to stay? Well, really, you know, once you get off of the big island, most of our resorts that are out on the smaller islands and the Mamanuthas and the 
Awas, and there's others, but most of them are fewer than 50 rooms. And I think that's what really sets Fiji apart as a destination is that the resorts are intimate. They're small. Many of our resorts are fewer than 20 rooms. I was at one that was 10 rooms. So you can imagine being on an island and if it were fully booked, there'd be 20 people on this big island. So it is really very different in the ability and the accessibility to remoteness and getting away. So lots of small private island resorts. And the great thing, the other thing about Fiji is that regardless of your budget, we've got something for you. So there are resorts from three-star entry-level resorts right up to some very, very world-class six-star $5,000 a night to set foot into the place. And the other thing is we appeal to a lot of different audiences. Now, I know you guys are going with your group and the Blue Lagoon Cruise is adults only, but we also are really fantastic. It's a great destination for families. So if there's anybody with kids, particularly with kids and grandparents who want to travel as a multi-generation group, Fiji is perfect. There's a saying in Fiji that a child's feet never touch the ground and children are absolutely beloved in the islands and children who arrive at a resort are given a nanny or a bula buddy who looks after them during their stay. And they honestly form these lifelong bonds. So again, we've got adults, we've got families. If you are in love and Valentine's <laughs> Day is coming up, lots of very sexy places that are adults only, very, very sexy places for that. And then if you want to get your adrenaline on too, there are lots of resorts that can offer you everything from surfing to whitewater river rafting to multi day trekking through the highlands. So a little bit of something for everybody. And I don't think people realize that Fiji is perhaps so diverse in their offerings. I'm so glad that you brought that up because that's the other thing that people misunderstand is that it is a destination only for the wealthy and it's not. So let's talk about the culture a bit, going back to the people of Fiji. Melanesians, right. So a little bit different from the Polynesians who inhabit the Eastern Pacific. So the Melanesians are in the Western Pacific. We're more closely aligned to the peoples of, say, Papua New Guinea and Vanuatu going in that direction. So Mela meaning dark, Fijians are very dark skin, and the Melanesians believe that they are direct descendants from Africa and that their ancestors came up from Africa through the subcontinent and down into the islands. And you can talk to people about that who can share more about that story in the history and in their culture. So the Melanesians are the native Fijians. And then if I can just tell a little bit of history, I know everybody's like, oh God, not a history lesson. But Fiji, um, you know, prior to about 1870, Fijians were an independent nation, warring nations of many tribes. We were known as the fiercest warriors in the South Pacific. First, we'd club you over the head and then we'd have you over for dinner, if you know what I mean. So the Fijian islands were left largely alone for many, many years. It wasn't until 1870 that through a whole series of negotiations, Fiji was ceded, was given by the Fijian people to Great Britain. And so for 100 years, we were a British colony. But the British had the foresight and they knew that the Fijians were these fearsome warriors. So they made the decision not to urbanize the Fijians, but to rather leave them in their 
villages scattered across the islands and they felt that that would be safer. And so, number one, that is one of the reasons that Fiji retains to this day a very authentic culture. The village system has never been broken up. And when most people leave their job or leave the cruise and go home, they're going home to a village. So that's very special. It was also a real pivotal time in Fiji's history as well, because the British wanted to grow sugarcane on the islands and the Melanesians were not going to have anything to do with that because there was other things to do like surfing and drinking kava and, you know, all the fun things to do in Fiji. So the British between 1875 and 1905 brought over indentured servants from mostly Southern India And so we have a very strong Indo-Fijian population in the islands today. It's about 40% of our population have our fifth and sixth, seventh generation Fijian Indians. And so Fiji is multicultural. We have four main religions, Christianity, Hindu, Muslim, and rugby. (laughs) So yeah, it's great because, you know, the Indians provide, I like to say a lot of color to the culture as well. And they certainly have had a wonderful influence on the cuisine and the food. You'll get some amazing curries and some spicy dishes that you wouldn't just necessarily find if you're in another island country. So it does really speak to where we're at today as this multicultural nation. Absolutely. And I think you do know this, that we have a marketing brand traveling while Black. And it's one of the reasons that I really love Fiji and picked Fiji, as the name suggests, Melanesian, melanated people. Mm. And yes, aren't we all originally from Mother Africa before everyone walked away and traveled the world? And with evolution, we have different hues of people around the world. But yes, I think that's very important, I think, for people to know and in itself tells us and shows us how evolution happens and what kind of stays the same as well. Absolutely. <laughs> when it's, no, when it's it, untouched. It is fascinating. <laughs> it is fascinating. Yep. So language, and I know you've given us some Fijian words, but what is that derivative of the language? Because you don't hear a lot of English mixed in. Most people speak English, just so you understand. Most people can communicate in English. Some is better than others, but most people, if you need to communicate basic as things, English is widely spoken. There is the Fijian language. Actually, there's one root language, if you will, and there's about 16 dialects around the islands, which is really interesting when you get into that. But the Fijian language, a lot of fun, easy to learn a few key words before you travel and like everywhere around the world. Fijians love it when you try to use their language. And the word bula, B-U-L-A, bula, is ubiquitous. It means hello. It means health. You would never walk past a person in Fiji and not look them in the eye and say bula. It's one of the hardest things I have to unlearn when I come back to Los Angeles is not to look at people, smile, and say bula to them because they think I'm crazy. But um, (laughs) so Fijian. And then some Hindi is spoken as well in the country. So it's a little bit of a mixture and a lot of people know a little bit of each of the languages. Now, what would you say is the defining cultural aspect of Fiji? I think you hinted to it already, but I think it's worth being said. A, that it's multicultural, which makes it, I think, that much more interesting. But I think really what is most important is the old 
British decision, thank you, Queen Victoria, of not breaking up the village system. And so with certain modernization that has happened, most Fijians still live very traditionally. And to put this in point, you know, during COVID, a lot of the resorts closed and a lot of the staff who were directors of marketing and had been living in the cities and living at the resorts for years, they lost their employment. And so they all went back to the village and it was not a problem. You can always go home. And this sense of family, village, community as the most paramount things in people's lives is just something that I find remarkable. Is there a national dish? Ah, to the food. Yes. Well, a couple of different national dishes. One is called Kokonda, which I hate to compare, but if you like ceviche, it's similar to a ceviche. It's, It's raw fish that's marinated in citrus, but in Fiji, we add in coconut milk as well. So that is one of our most popular dishes. I've had it. It is absolutely wonderful. Right. And (laughs) remember in Fiji, usually they don't know what's for dinner until the boat comes in in the afternoon. So all the fish that you eat there is so incredibly fresh. It's just amazing. Now, there is one thing that we were able to do there, but I'd like you to tell us a little bit about it, which is the lovo. Ah, yes. The famous lovo. It's a traditional underground cooking ceremony. It it takes the entire day and there are certain traditions that go along with it. But basically it's the food, which would be seafood, pork, root vegetables, which is wrapped in coconut leaves with some spices and coconut milk. And then it's wrapped up in the banana leaves, tied up and then buried in the ground with a fire around it and cooked in the ground for the day. And then in the evening or when you're ready to eat, that's all dug up and unfolded and you have this amazing smoked feast. I can't wait to go back. How is Fiji handling tourism since reopening its borders? Well, again, I was on the first flight from North America arriving December the 2nd and toured around for 27 days. And I felt really, really comfortable in the islands. I had a number of Americans come up to me and actually congratulate me that all the protocols that were in place in Fiji felt very easy for them. And they'd been in Europe this summer where they'd moved between countries and rules changed and they had to be on top of everything. And they said they didn't feel safe. Whereas in Fiji, they felt very, very safe and they were very happy to be there. They were going to be there for 17 days. So almost as lucky as I was. What percentage of the population is vaccinated? 93% of adults are vaccinated. So over 16 are vaccinated. And we are at the moment doing a very strong drive to get those 93% who are vaccinated, get them boosted. So we've been very, very successful at getting the population vaccinated. Our prime minister, by Nimarama put out an edict about six months ago that was no jab, no job. And so certainly for a resort to be certified as COVID safe under our program, 100% of their staff must be vaccinated. So going down into Fiji, almost everybody you will encounter will have been vaccinated. 
And so let's talk about these requirements that are now in place. First, I just want to reassure everybody that Fiji is ready. We thought we were going to open a year ago to Australia in a little South Pacific bubble, and that didn't happen. But what it did do was it got us going on this program. It's called the Care Fiji Commitment. And it's just a whole series of COVID protocol, hygiene, safety, training measures, mask regulations, and social distancing guidelines that all tourism operators or anybody who wanted to welcome tourists back, so your taxi drivers, your transport providers, wildlife park keepers, and your resorts, they all had to go through this program and be certified. And part of that was being 100% vaccinated. So when you get on the ground, you can feel really, really safe. And I think that's what I think is important to people now. We've got this under control, right down to having our visitors download an app when they arrive in the country. And as you go in and out of resorts, say you would scan your app and it's just a contract tracing measure. To be honest, you guys would get on the ship the first time and you could put that phone away. You wouldn't need it again. Oh, great. Great. Yeah, and so really easy. I am looking so forward to April. It can't get here fast enough <laughs> so that I can be in Fiji again. Anything else you'd like to say about Fiji? I've been going to Fiji for almost 30 years. And, you know, the great thing is, is that it just hasn't changed. And the spirit of the people and their genuine sense of hospitality is alive and well and stronger than ever. Fiji is just so good for your soul. And it reminds you that there is a better place on earth and there is a better way to live than we do. So Vanaka to everybody who is signing up and has signed up. And if you haven't, I really encourage you to sign up because you won't want to miss this. It's just what you need. Ruth, thank you so much for joining me today. And so, yes, if you are not already on the cruise, because so many decided that you were going to go whenever we went. <laughs> so we only have a handful of cabins available. You can go to travelingculturati.com and we do still have some space available. But as I said, we only have a handful of cabins remaining and we are going to take over Fiji. <laughs> I'll be right there with you. Uh, yes. Now, when we come back, we'll have the culture report. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm Javon Harley, your host and travel pro. The website, travelingculturati.com. Make sure you check it out. And while you're there, follow us on social media and join the Travel Club. Culture is forever changing and reflecting what's happening in the society and with its people. It can be born from the arts, music, food, and sometimes politics and strife. This is the culture report. And we want to look at the culture of 
the pandemic era, how things are changing, rapidly changing, and by destination. And, you know, we have a group going to Ghana. They will be there soon and they're going to be there for the next week. And we're going to check in with them periodically and share that information with you. But our executive producer, Gene Harley, has already left ahead of the group. He actually went to Liberia first, transited through Ghana, and then came back to stay in Ghana and to greet the group. And Ghana is one of the destinations that recently changed their COVID protocol to require all foreign travelers to be vaccinated for entry. You still have to do the COVID test and those other things. So let's welcome executive producer Gene Harley so that he can share some of those experiences with us. Hi, Gene. How are you? Hi, Javon. It's good to talk to you guys from sunny Ghana, where it's nice and warm. Oh, I'm a bit envious. You know, I really wanted to go on the trip, especially for some of those cultural experiences we put in the itinerary. We're really looking forward to our travelers experiencing it. So let's talk about this experience because we started with our group program about, what, six months ago. We wanted to go back to Ghana. It's beyond the return because 2019 was the year of the return. And we had some pretty good response to people wanting to go to Ghana. But a lot has changed from the time we announced the trip to now. So tell us about your experience first before you leave home and all of those things that you had to do leading up to get to first Liberia and then to Ghana. Okay, let's start with the items that have not changed. You still need a visa to go to Ghana, Liberia, and many number of countries around the world. And that process can be as simple as an online filling out a form or getting a visa upon arrival or having to send in your passport after completing the forms and making payments, including payments for delivery and return to the embassy or the consulate in the country, in the United States, for the country you want to go to. Now, Ghana and Liberia both require the hardest version, which is complete the form, package it up, send everything over, including pictures and everything like that. Then your visa is applied to your U.S. passport and it's sent back to you. So you're looking at about 14 days, sometimes more, as little as 10 days for that process for each country. So once you've completed that, you are now set. Now, the different things that come in effect is the fact that now you have to get a COVID test before you go. And as you already mentioned, in Ghana, you must show proof of vaccination, fully vaccinated, which at this point is the two-shot program, unless it's Johnson & Johnson, which is the one-shot program, to be admitted in the country. So that means basically you can't go to Ghana unless you're fully vaccinated. Once you have your vaccination in and you have your visa and you've gone in also made sure that you've gotten your COVID-19 test before you head to the airport, in most cases that's 72 hours before departure, you bring everything with you. Now, the different other items include that most countries like Ghana require that you do a health form in advance where you're downloading all of your information, uh, copies of your vaccination card, all of the information on how you've been feeling, if you've been isolated, if you've been not feeling well or come in contact with anybody who has been ill, that has to be done in advance and submitted online. When it comes to Ghana, you also have to prepay for your test upon arrival. And that is done online also. And you have to print out a copy of that receipt that shows payment. 
For Ghana, they don't take American Express, MasterCard, or Visa unless it is a debit card with MasterCard or Visa. So it's a bank debit card for payment. And that fee right now is $150. So once you have all that in hand, you can go ahead and get to the airport. Everything will be checked before you get on the plane. And once on the plane, everything is going to be similar as it's been in the past, where you now will still have to fill out a customs immigration card on the plane. So have your ink pen ready. Those of you who travel with us, that's why we give you an ink pen with a light. So you can go ahead and fill out that form while you're on the flight. When you arrive, you want to have everything in hand. You want to have your passport, your completed Ghana health form, your proof of COVID vaccination, your proof of yellow fever vaccination for here, the negative PCR test that was taken within 72 hours, and your proof of payment. As soon as you come off the plane, they're going to escort you to a very well set up area of testing. As soon as you come off the plane, they'll go ahead and you'll be taken to a numbered booth. They'll look over your information and your passport and your proof of payment. And then you go ahead and get your test taken. Then you go right from your test. You go ahead and proceed to immigration following the standard procedures of the immigration card that you filled out on the plane, but you should keep all your forms with you. After you complete immigration, you will be able to go down and pick up your luggage. After you pick up luggage, instead of going directly out through customs, they have a lot of booths set up, numbered booths, and you can go on your phone, your mobile device, and see when your test results have come up, take your passport over, and you'll be giving your test results. If your test results are negative, you will then just go because you already have your luggage and proceed through customs and you're done. And they've got it well set up. It's a well-oiled machine here. And it's pretty much similar also in Liberia. But in Liberia and other countries, you cannot prepay for the test. You just pay at the counter. And in that case, they want American money. Okay. Well, I know it sounds like a lot of steps and processes and procedures, but it's one of the things I really want to talk about a little bit later, which is why possibly most of Africa and the Middle East have very, very low numbers. But there's a couple of things that I wanted to address because in this process of obtaining visas, there are many countries that still require a visa for U.S. citizens. But one of the things that we've run into with our travelers is that for many of them, this has been the first country where they've had to actually send their passport to apply for the visa versus an online visa or visa upon arrival. And I do want to say that we've had communication with officials in Ghana and their initial plan was to have an online or visa on arrival or visa on demand in Ghana in 2020, but the pandemic really interrupted that. So we probably won't see that for another couple of years as they refocus and just everything settles down worldwide. So yes, Ghana is still a nation where you have to physically mail in your passport and to have a visa stamped inside your passport. Now, to show you how things are evolving, Liberia, which is celebrating its bicentennial of the formation of the country of Liberia, they are switching their system over very shortly to visa upon arrival. So you will not have to send your passport to a consulate or the embassy. And they will be making an announcement about that sometime this year because this is their bicentennial and they want to make it easy for people to visit the country. 
Absolutely. And we're going to have some more information about Liberia in the months to come. But what is the feeling overall getting to Liberia and then traveling from Liberia to Ghana and actually just being there in Ghana as you're awaiting the group? It's pretty interesting because they are separate countries, but the transit is pretty easy between these two countries. And it seems to be that way between a lot of countries. Whereas when you come off the plane, you follow the transit, those people who are transiting and not entering Ghana, and then you go all the way through. If your bags are checked all the way through, you have nothing to worry about. Like me, if you're doing carry-on, you have nothing to worry about. You will have to have a transit visa if you need to go down and claim your baggage and then go back through. So you will have to enter the country and have a separate transit visa, or you should apply for a multiple visit visa so that you can go ahead and accomplish that. But if you're just transiting, you go straight through. You do not have to go through the protocols. You do not have to get a test to enter Ghana. You get your test at your final destination. So what is the overall feeling? What's the vibe like being there? It's really interesting because although masks are required indoors and on public transportation and activities, people are not inundated and it's not the main part of their lives over here. They've been level one or level two in most countries in Africa and the Middle East. That means they're controlling what's going on with COVID very well at this time. And we pray that they will continue to do that. And lots of activities are going on. I still am acting like a normal person from America and I'm avoiding crowds, but there were dining, restaurants are open, nightclubs are open, museums are open, people are having a good time. And mostly you can tell the foreigners are Americans because if they're like me, I'm wearing a mask all the time, but the people are not. A lot of people in the tourism industry are vaccinated and testing is available. Test kits are available, very inexpensive. So it's not ideal life, but it's closer to what we would like to be experiencing in the United States at this time. So you've met with our ground company there. What is the feeling for tourism and, of course, bringing a group to Ghana from them? Tourism is going strong in Ghana, as it was also in Liberia. There are a lot of people here from all over the world. There are a lot of Europeans there are a lot of people who are escaping the cold in the Northern Hemisphere. It's bright and sunny here. I walk by the pool. There's a lot of people there. And the flights were pretty well crowded going back and forth, even between the two countries of Ghana and Liberia. The hotel that we're going to be using, as you know well, the Kempinski is a beautiful, magnificent five-star property in the heart of Accra. And you know what? It's pretty well occupied, but they are taking precautions. They're putting spacing in between and they require masks to be worn when you're inside the buildings, not so much outside, not so much at the sports areas or at the pool. Well, you know what? I'm really looking forward to checking in with you when the group arrives and taking in some of your activities, especially with the chef that we're going to have to do a cooking demonstration for you, the kente weaving experience. Of course, going to the Gold Coast and Cape Coast for that part of the history, which is very emotional. It's a powerful, powerful history. Everybody's going to have a great time the weather's excellent and the people are always hospitable. Yes, there are some extra steps that you have to take to get there. But once you get there, it's all worth the effort. So, Gene, thank you so much for checking in. And we'll check in again with you in a few days when the group arrives. Talk to you then. Well, that's it for the show today. Wherever you go, go with all your heart. Confucius. Ladies and gentlemen. 
This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information.